that um, we could all be together. Praise the Lord, yeah? On this special Lord's Day, and we get to do communion together on a Friday for the first time in 81 weeks. So, we thank the Lord for that. Just let me um, just tell you how this is going to work. After I've shared my message, we'll do it like we did on Thursdays. We'll do um, row by row. But please, when you, the communion elements are outside here, go out that back door. So the back rows first, go out, and then come back in this door, and then you can go back to your seat. So we'll start with that row, and then we'll go like that. So please go through that back door and come out, come in through this front door as well. Welcome to our visitors that are here. We see a few uh, new faces. We're so glad that you could join us. This is a first for us, so we apologize for some of the this organization this morning. Um, it's just part of us getting back to the new normal. And welcome to New Life Church. Thank you for joining us on this Lord's Day. Glad that you could be with us. So normally we are at the moment going through the book of Acts. And we have been doing that for a couple of months now already. But today, because it's communion, I wanted to spend a, a sermon just teaching about why communion is so important to us. So today, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The title of my message this morning is How to Come to the Lord's Supper. How to Come to the Lord's Supper. I originally had four points when I was preparing the sermon, but I realized it was way too long for the time that we have. So I halved it, and there's only two points today, and we'll look at the other portion um, next month when we do communion again. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll look at that in a moment. I don't know if you can remember, on the 27th of April last year, 2020, I posted an article um, on our web under our pastor's pen, and I called it, It's Just Not the Same. So 27th of April, 2020. So here's the first paragraph, for those of you who don't remember the article. I said, This Friday was our sixth online church service. It seems longer, doesn't it? I'm not just saying this to sound nice, but I really am looking forward to gathering together again as a church. That was six weeks into our lockdown, okay? My prayer from the very beginning has been that the Lord would help us as a church to love the corporate gatherings more. He has certainly answered that prayer in my own family's life. And I'm grateful for the technology and the expertise that the Lord has provided to enable us to worship online on Fridays, but it's just not the same. I guess it's true what they say. You don't know what you have until it is gone. And then I quoted John MacArthur who said, Worship on the Lord's Day should be the crowning joy of our week. It's an opportunity to engage our minds toward God, to engage His people, to bask in His presence, to corporately drink from His Word, to give our talents and resources, and to encourage and be encouraged to offer praise. I really do hope with the restart of our Friday in-person uh, church services that the Lord's Day would be again the crowning joy of your week. That is our prayer. Uh, today will be the first time, as I said, in 81 weeks that we will be having Holy Communion on our Sabbath day. Um, some people have asked me why we couldn't have communion um, online. Why didn't we have it before? 
And in the article that I wrote, I tried to explain why um, that wasn't ideal and wasn't even biblical. And um, I'll try to do that again this morning. But the point I'm trying to make now is our waiting is over, finally. And um, we get to enjoy the Lord's table together. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 17 to verse 34. So this is the Apostle Paul, just some background. He is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. Remember, this church has a few issues that they are struggling with. So this is a letter of instruction. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worst. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you on this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we will not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Well, let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings on His Word this morning. Dear Lord, we are so grateful that we have this opportunity today to have the Lord's table to worship You in spirit and in truth, and to hold these tangible elements in our hands to remind us of the very gospel that has saved us from our sins. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that has come together to encourage us in our efforts this morning to worship you. And I pray that you would be glorified today, that you would be pleased, that you would be honored in everything we say here and do, and in our responses afterwards as well. So, Lord, please, as the passage instructs us, Lord, help us to examine our hearts this morning, that we would be right with you. May we not be taking the elements in a hypocritical way or in an unworthy way that would bring judgment upon ourselves. We pray today that we would look into our hearts and confess the sins that we are entertaining, the sins that we are um, enjoying, and that we would get right with you today before we enjoy the Lord's table together. So please, Lord, speak to us and teach us. May your spirit open our eyes. May you open our ears today. 
uh, to your word and may you be may you be magnified here amongst us Lord we ask in Jesus name amen so I'm sure you know um, if you have been baptized already we normally have a baptismal class and in that class we talk about the two elements the two ordinances rather the two sacraments that the Lord has given his church that we are to observe and the one is baptism and the other one is the Lord's table. We also call the Lord's table the Lord's Supper. We call it um, Holy Communion. And we get the, the name communion from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when it talks about sharing, which is the Greek word uh, koinonia. Maybe you've heard that before. I know Pedro's mentioned it. The word koinonia means, anybody know? I heard somebody say it. Fellowship. It means fellowship. Okay. So what we are having is fellowship today. We're having communion today around the Lord's table. Now, the original Lord's Supper was a Passover meal. And it was there with his disciples where Jesus took the elements that they were enjoying there at the, the Passover meal. And he applied the meaning and adapted this Jewish feast to himself. And the idea is that just as Israel was delivered from the death of their, their firstborn from the slavery uh, to Pharaoh through the blood of the Passover lamb, so we who are Christians are, are spared from God's judgment to slavery to sin by the death of the lamb of God who is Jesus Christ. So in our text here, Paul gives four ways that we are to come together to the Lord's Supper. And as I said, we'll only look at two this morning. But my first point is from verse 25 to verse 26, if you take your notes. Come to the Lord's Supper often. Come to the Lord's Supper often. So Paul quotes there in verse 25, he quotes Jesus who said, Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then in verse 26 he adds, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we started studying Acts a few months back, and remember in Acts chapter 2, in verse 46, we saw the early church, they were breaking bread together. Now, if that breaking bread refers to the Lord's Supper, then we see that they did this daily. They did this daily. Uh, but later on, when we get to Acts chapter 20, we see the early church now taking the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Um, and for them, that was, a, that was a Saturday. Now, you may have been in churches now where they take communion every week. There are some churches who take it less frequently, maybe once every six months. Um, churches like us who take it once a month. But there's no command that we have from the Scripture how often we are to take it. We're just told to take it frequently, and we are to do it often. But we're also told in this passage that we are to do it together. We are to take communion together. In 1 Corinthians 11 here, Paul refers five times, five times to the fact that they celebrate the Lord's Supper when they all come together as a church, as one assembly meeting at one place at one time. And that's why we could not take communion online. I know some churches did that, and people were in their homes, and that's not really the communion service, because you're not coming together in a one place 
to celebrate the death and the, the resurrection of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I haven't put this on a slide, but look at 1 Corinthians. I want to show you these five places where it is commanded, where it's spoken that we are to come together. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. I love the sound of those pages. I've missed that. I've missed that. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. You can underline it. Come together. Look at verse 18. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, look at verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Look at verse 33. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Look at verse 34. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Five times it is mentioned there. The same word is repeated when you come together. Now, someone may argue, well, is that just what they happen to do, or is that what we must do? Is the, the church's physical presence with each other, is it necessary, is it essential to enjoy the Lord's table? Well, Paul would argue yes. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. Consider this. Paul says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. So the picture here, the picture of the Lord's table is one of unity. And I think what they did and what we, we maybe miss with our communion services is that they actually had a, a loaf of bread. It wasn't like the loaves that we have with, with yeast in it. was probably more like a, like a paratha or a chapati or one of the um, Middle Eastern breads. And they would probably break that bread. One piece of bread they would break. And they would take and they would serve and they would give to each other. And that picture was obviously of, of unity. And that's what the Lord's Supper portrays. That's what the, the church's unity is, is needful for. It accomplishes this, this oneness that Paul is talking about here in verse 17. It gathers up the many who partake on this same element together in the same place and makes them one. And we missed that a little bit this morning because we were not able to break the bread in front of each other. And with all of these restrictions, we have to obey these, these different rules. And that's why we, we're walking outside and coming back in. But that's kind of not how we would normally do it. We would break the bread together and distribute it to each other. But this leads to my second point. Look at verse 17 to, to verse 22. We need to come to the Lord's Supper with love for others. We, we need to come together, obviously. We should do it often. It, we should be doing it together. But we also should be doing it with, with love. Now remember the context. Context is king, okay, when we're studying the Bible. The context of this passage. The Apostle Paul, he is writing to a, to a church that is um, having some, some sin issues that they, are, that they are struggling with. And here he confronts the, the problem of division. There is, there is disunity. There is, there is strife here in this Corinthian church. And he has already uh, dealt extensively with um, other problems and even this problem in his letter. But he's still shocked at this point. He's still shocked at the, 
display of disunity in this church, especially at the sacred occasion of the, the Lord's Supper. Um, remember in verse chapter 10, verse 17, he said, There is one bread, and we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And there in, Cor in the Corinthian church, the rich people were neglecting the poorer people. They were going first. Many people were not able to enjoy the Lord's Supper together. Um, they would have a love feast, actually, how it first started, the Lord's Supper, and they would all, like a big potluck, they would all come together, and they would enjoy the potluck and then have the Lord's table afterwards. But it wasn't working very well. Maybe you've been in a potluck, I hope not, in our church, where you've walked up to the table, and there's like no food left. <laughs> I don't think that happens in our church, eh? No. We always have enough food, eh? Especially when Soju and Elizabeth are around. <laughs> Um, but the people were, were abusing the, the, poor, the poorer people, the people who couldn't really afford to bring anything. And Paul writes and he says, there, there is abuse happening here. There is disunity happening here. And apparently here they passed around a, a loaf of bread and they broke it off. And as I said, this loaf was a picture of the fact that they are one body. And Paul is using a, a picture here. He's using an illustration to help them see this to help them understand what the church is all about. Um, and what was going on here really contradicted the whole point of the Lord's Supper. What was happening in the Corinthian church was really a contradiction of what the body of Christ was all about. So he writes in verse 18, look at verse 18, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 18. He says, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, look at verse 19, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So we can see there were sheep, there were goats who were among the sheep. And I'm sure that the, the unbelievers that were there, who were just part of the nominal religion, were causing some issues for the true believers. But Paul is confronting the fact that there is some sinful behavior happening here. And then in verse 20 to 22, he confronts the selfishness and the gluttony, he mentions the word gluttony, of those who were really stuffing themselves and even getting drunk, even getting drunk. Can you imagine it on the, on the common meal before coming to the Lord's Supper? Um, they were not considerate of the, of the slaves and other poor who were part of, of the church. And I think back of my own heritage in South Africa. Uh, I know of churches that would not allow black people to come and partake of the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper was only available for white people. I mean, those churches were just as guilty of disunity and sin like the Corinthian church. Like the Corinthian church. Look at verse 20. Paul says, When you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And what he means here is that they're there for other reasons. They have a very selfish approach which kind of just cancels the very meaning of this remembrance. The remembrance of the, the body of Christ. The very remembrance of the death of Jesus Christ. The very reason why they claim to be Christians. It cancelled the whole point of the exercise. And Paul was shocked. Paul was shocked by their selfish behavior. And he says it in a very negative way, but 
stated positively, the point is that, that we are to come to the Lord's table with a genuine love for each other, isn't it? The Lord's Supper is a, is a spiritual meal that represents a physical reality. It's a spiritual activity that we do not practice alone. You can't enjoy this unity behind the TV taking the Lord's Supper. You cannot enjoy this unity taking the Lord's Supper on your own, in your home, in a separate bedroom. That is not the point of the, the Lord's table. We have to do it in the unity with the brothers and sisters of Christ. You can and should pray and read the Bible by yourself. Of course, we do that during the week. But much of the spiritual life that happens on a daily basis is, is really hidden from each other. But the Lord's Supper is to be celebrated with other people, corporately. That's the beauty of the Lord's Supper. So to come to it properly, we first have to deal with damaged relationships as, as best as we can. We first have to deal with awkward relationships that we may have with other people in the church. We can't just come to church and ignore the people and then partake communion, ignore the people that we are having some issues with. I remember a pastor told me once, you know, Gareth, I used to go to church and I, I, I used to know that the people that were, were causing trouble for me were standing, were, were seated on the right side of the church. And I would always go to the left side of the church so that I could avoid them, so I didn't have to see them. So I didn't have to speak to them, so I didn't have to be troubled by them. And he said it would go on like that for for weeks and for months, I would just walk into the church. I know they were sitting on the right side, so I would go on the left aisle. I would avoid them completely. And he told me, he realized how much wrong, uh, in the wrong he was for not examining his own heart when he came before the Lord's table. There was disunity and there was division in his own heart. And he confessed his sin to me and he asked me to pray for him about that. But think about this for a moment. Since March last year, since we were forced into lockdown, we were forced to socially distance ourselves from each other. And that's kind of what COVID has, has forced upon us. But notice here how the Lord's, the Lord's table is doing completely the opposite. The Lord's Supper is forcing us together. The Lord's forcing us to love each other properly. It's forcing us to break those, those points of isolation and come together and love each other as we should. You know, after 81 weeks, our church is not the same, is it? Some members have, have left. New members have joined. One of our elders and his family have immigrated back to their home and even a new elder has been appointed during those, these 81 weeks. Um, looking at some of the children that we haven't seen for 81 weeks, they have grown up. Some members will have to meet other members again. We'll have to reintroduce ourselves or even introduce ourselves to new members. And we have to be intentional to get to know each other now. But during COVID, I think Satan has done his best to scatter the church of Jesus Christ. I think that that was his aim all along. And I think at least for a time, physically, Satan succeeded physically. 
And of course, as a church, we've tried everything that we could to minimize this effect, to minimize this, this isolation with our, our online services, with our, our Zoom meetings, with our different um, home meetings. But the point today is that we are back. The point is today we are back after 81 weeks. And this is exciting. This is exciting, but we need to learn some of these lessons along the way, right? We need to do everything we can to protect the unity that the Lord wants us to have as a church. We need to do everything we can to once again build relationships in the church. We need to do everything we can to maintain these relationships with each other in the church. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, he says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. But to the best of our ability, we should seek to be right with others before we come to the Lord's table. Jesus taught in a Jewish context. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and verse 24, he says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, verse 24, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Do we have a slide for that? Okay. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Let me read that again. If you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So God wants us to be reconciled with one another. That's the whole point of coming together. That's the whole point of being a church, a, a congregation. But he wants us to do this in the right way. He wants us to be reconciled before we worship. Before we worship. Otherwise, we are like these religious hypocrites that we read about in the book of Acts, the Pharisees who came and offered these offerings and their hearts were not right towards the Lord. And maybe before COVID, think about this for a moment. Let's apply this to ourselves. Maybe before COVID, there was someone in the church that you were avoiding and you weren't, you weren't talking to and, and you haven't had to talk to them because of all the rules that we've had to um, consider. But now the time to meet privately and resolve those issues in a, in a spirit of humility and a, a spirit of forgiveness so that we can participate in the Lord's Supper with a clean conscience is here. It's here. Let me take this a little, a little more deeper, a little more personal. Husbands and wives, maybe you have been, had an argument this week, maybe you've been fighting with each other. Maybe you haven't resolved those issues. Hytham's smiling because he doesn't have a wife. <laughs> it will happen, I promise, Hytham. It will happen when, you, when you're married. Take the time to reconcile. Take the time to reconcile. Realize that the Thursday, first Thursday of the, the month, we are going to take communion. And you're going to stand before the Lord and, and give Him an offering. Are you going to do it in a hypocritical way? We stand accountable before the Lord, isn't it? We stand accountable before each other. 
ask for forgiveness and affirm your love for each other before you partake in communion on a Friday. What about parents? What about parents? Maybe you've been angry with your, your children. Um, I don't know what that means because we never get angry with our children. But maybe there's a reason why you got angry. Maybe it's a good reason. Maybe it's a bad reason. But now you're confronted with the Lord's table. Take time to reconcile with your children. Take time to love them. Clear up the relational conflicts to the best of your ability. And come to the Lord's table. Though we come to faith through an individual response, we do that individually. We can't have other people respond for us. We respond in repentance and faith. The faith that we now have from the Lord incorporates us into a community of believers. We're no longer individual Lone Ranger people. As Christians, we are part of a, of a faith family, and we use that word a lot. This is a faith family. There's attitudes and behaviors that have implications, not just for ourselves, but for those around us. One of the most significant is our attitude to Christian fellowship. In the letter to the Hebrews, the, the writer, he warns us against the dangers of neglecting to meet together. He says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then he says in verse 25, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the writer of Hebrews, he knew that when the habit of neglecting church was established, when it was a, a practice, a common habit, the next step was that people would fall away. That people would fall away. And they would no longer come to church. They would no longer worship. And of course it concerned the writer to the Hebrews so much. And I think it should be a warning to us as well. It's been 81 weeks, folks, that we haven't been able to come together. I know we haven't done it on purpose, but we need to be careful. We need to take stock. How are we in our spiritual walk with the Lord at the moment? The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 2, verse 1, We are to pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. He's talking about the Word of God when they come together. He says in chapter 3, verse 6, We are to hold Firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we, we glory. He says in chapter 4, verse 14, hold firmly to the faith that, that we profess. In chapter 6, verse 11, he says, show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. And then in chapter 10, verse 23, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. It's almost a picture of, of a battle happening here, isn't it? And the writer of Hebrews is saying, we need to fight for the faith. We need to contend. We need to hold fast. We need to endure all the bad times that we go through. And the sin that is confronted, that, that we are confronted with, that we are tempted with, we have to fight against. We have to hold firm. And then he says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints. We're given an insight into this spiritual warfare um, in Hebrews chapter 3. He says in verse 12, Take care, brothers, 
lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So what he's saying is don't play with sin. Don't ignore sin. Sin becomes a habit. If we don't ask for forgiveness, if we don't repent of it, it becomes part of our routine. And we get worse and worse into this terrible trap. And the greatest threat to holding fast to our faith is sin. Is sin. And the best antidote that we see in the scriptures is being together, coming together. Our family just recently was in Kenya, and we went to a number of game reserves there, and we loved it there. But we noticed on one of these game reserves where there were lions and where there were the leopards and all other types of predators, that they had cows on this game reserve as well. And the Messiah warriors were herding these cows, were keeping them safe. And I asked one of these shepherds, I said, how is it possible that you can bring these cows into this game reserve. And he says, no, we, we have done this from the very beginning. We all, we all live together. There's no separate. We herd our cows in, in the same places where, where the lions roam free. And I say, but don't the lions attack the cows? He says, as long as they stay together, as long as they stay together, the lions don't attack. Wow, that's a spiritual truth right there, isn't it? As long as we stay together, we are safe from Satan. When we are born again, we are born into a herd. We are born into a herd. I'm not saying we're cows. We are born into a faith family. And part of that universal church, and particularly expressed in the, in the local church. And we are to exhort each other daily. We are to be intentional in our relationships. We are to keep each other sharp and we are to keep each other alert to sin's deceitfulness. Because if we get complacent, we, we might get dragged away. You know, this week I got a call from, from someone who doesn't come to our church. Um, he's in another region, I'm sure none of you know him. But he phoned, he phoned me and he said, Jareth, I'm in a terrible state. He says, I haven't been going to church since lockdown. I've been watching the internet. I've been surfing and watching pornography. And he says, my marriage is a mess. My marriage is a mess. My wife has found out. She's confronted me. She wants to leave me. My life is a mess. And he said to me, it's because I haven't been at church. I haven't had the brothers and sisters come alongside me and help me and encourage me and point me to Christ. He says, this lockdown has been the worst thing for my family. The worst thing for my marriage. I haven't held myself accountable to any pastor, to any leader. I've been a rule to myself. And my marriage is broken. 
We need each other, folks. We need to come together. The whole point of the Lord's Supper is so that we come together. And we haven't enjoyed this for a long time. And there has been suffering. I'm sure maybe you can relate to the story. I'm sure maybe even in your own marriage. Maybe in your own relations with your children. Maybe even in some relations in the church. There's been suffering. There's been loss. And every loss is a form of suffering. But whether we realize it or not, we have all suffered from being apart from one another in one way. We've all, su- we've all suffered not being able to partake in Holy Communion together. We've all suffered not being able to hold ourselves accountable to one another. We've all suffered not being able to come alongside each other and encourage each other in our faith. But our waiting is over. Our waiting is over. We can't erase the last 81 weeks, but we can learn lessons that we have been taught along the way. What have you learned in God's providential, ordered time these last 81 weeks? The Lord's Supper itself is meant not only to satisfy our hearts with Christ's goodness, but also to to stoke in us a desire for when we will see him face to face. And we'll talk more about that next week. But Jesus says in Matthew 26, verse 29, just before he leaves his disciples, he says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And I pray that the absence of this meal has made you hungry, not physically, but spiritually for that future meal that we will enjoy with Jesus one day. Let's pray together, and then we will, I'll give some instructions how we partake. Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you today for teaching us. Thank you for inspiring your word, Lord. This is not just mere human wisdom. This is not just the Apostle Paul's thoughts. These words have been inspired by you for us to learn from for us to grow from, for us to change from. Lord, we pray, help us today. Help us to examine our hearts as we are instructed and help us to get right with each other where we need to, with our wives, with our children, with our friends. Help us to repent of the sin that we may be holding tight to or the sin that we've been entertaining that we may partake together in a worthy manner. For your glory, Lord. May we offer the worship you deserve now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, Marilisa is going to play some music for us.